0: Foundations.
1: Uh, there was a time, actually, when he looked at the sin of the world and he said, I "Can't take it. I mm. can't stand it." And he sent the flood of Noah. It, it devastated him. So then he made a promise: "I'm never, ever, ever, going to flood the world again."
0: Foundations: Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith with Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. On today's program, we're going to open the parable of the prodigal son and look at it from an eastern perspective rather than a western perspective and see if it looks a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I I think the prodigal son is a favorite parable of Mm. all Christians because we see ourselves as as this sinful reprobate son who comes home with his tail between his legs and is welcomed with open arms. But we actually don't really take a look at what it costs the father because mm. he, he, for all intents and purposes, within this particular context, uh, the father doesn't seem to suffer too much other than he just misses his boy yep. and gets excited when he sees him again. But it's actually a very different picture when you look at it from the Middle Eastern Hebrew Mindset. Okay, now, uh, we won't have time to read the entire prodigal uh, son story, but the, the point we're going to be talking about is how, you know, Luke 15, 17 to 24, the son, he comes to his senses, I'm going to go back, and then you see the father is rejoicing as he welcomes him home. Uh, are you a Star Trek fan?
0: No.
1: You're not? <laughs> <laughs> Join the club I can't say I get all excited that much about, um, about Star Trek But one of the characters who's most notable from the Star Trek series is Mr. Spock mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. Spock, the Vulcan um, He's been a huge favourite for years And he is um, infamous for being emotionless Mm. He thinks that emotions are a complete waste of time, and that really, if you're not governed by your emotions, you can just be analytical and critical and make logical decisions all the time. Yep. The problem with Mr. Spock is that <laughs> he doesn't experience love or compassion or <laughs> empathy either. So, um, unfortunately, that actual ideology has been quite pervasive throughout the centuries. You have heard of you, you've heard of Mr. Spock, but you've heard of Aristotle as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Aristotle. He actually considered that God was, he called him the prime mover who was himself unmoved. Mm. And that he, he, in his mind, and this was very, again, we're looking Greek, the Greco-Roman influence of and philosophy, yes. is that any God who has any kind of human emotion, well, makes him not God. He has to be above that he couldn't possibly mm. succumb to human emotion. Yeah. Um, what Aristotle didn't realize is that we are actually created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore yeah. that is why we have these emotions. But because God, when we look at the God of the, the old covenant, a lot of people say he is just an angry, nasty God. But because he feels so extreme, those anger, that anger at, at sin and the brutality that the human race is capable of, because he can feel that so extreme it means he also feels love extremely. Mm. and uh, there's a guy by the name of Ken Bailey and he did some research uh, on the parables and particularly from a, a, a distinctly Um, Middle Eastern mindset and he actually travelled through the Middle East and had a lot of conversations with people living in the Middle East he asked one question and he asked it hundreds and hundreds of times the question was have you ever known a son to come to his father and demand his inheritance and every time the answer was the same that it would be unthinkable completely unthinkable and that it would be an outrage and a gross insult to the father and the family mm. and then well it he... would
0: effectively be like the boy saying I wish you were dead isn't that the way that it's
1: that is exactly yeah. exactly and he told the story of this uh, a pastor who's parishioner in the middle east a parishioner came to him and he's this he this guy was absolutely devastated he said my son wants me to die and he said explain I don't know what you mean he said he asked me about what when he'd get his inheritance mm. that was literally saying I want you to die so I can get my hands on the money Within three months, that man was dead. Wow. He was so gutted and so overcome that his own son would actually wish him dead just so he could get hold of money that had actually killed him. And his wife cried after that and actually said, he died the night the son asked for the inheritance. Mm. That's what a grievous offense it is. Wow. So, so put that back, that mindset, into the parable of the prodigal son. You've got this son who comes to his father and says, I want my inheritance. He's basically saying, I want you to die so I can get my hands on the money. It would have been decimating. I was trying to think of a word um, stronger than the word decimate. I can't think of one. (laughs) But it was literally like, could you imagine a father, what he would feel? And we tend to think of break uh, sin as just breaking some arbitrary rules, and that we have to go to court and there'll be a cold clinical judge who will say the law has to be enforced, pay the fine, and then you're off and And we tend to equate that with God, and that is true, but to a degree mm. it's that much it's so much more than that because this parable is teaching us it's not just an arbitrary judge, he' is our father, yeah. And when we have sinned, we haven't just broken an arbitrary rule. We've broken his heart. Mm. He's gutted. He's devastated. I mean, how devastated is he? It cost him a son yeah. to, to bridge, bridge that gap and bring redemption. And so you've got this anger in tension with the extreme love that he feels. So we say that God is a God of anger and how could he be indifferent to the sin in the world? Because we often look at God and we say, there's all this sin going on. How can he turn a blind eye? If he's a God of love, how can he sit there and do nothing when all this sin is going on? Uh, There was a time actually when he looked at the sin of the world and he said, I can't take it. I can't Mm. stand it. And he sent the flood of Noah. And he literally wiped out the entire human race except for one man and his family and kept two of the animals mm. and seven of selected. But basically, he actually did bring yep. judgment.
0: Yeah, clean slate.
1: It, Yeah. But it broke him. It, it devastated him. So then he made a promise. I'm never, ever, ever going to flood the world again. So what does that mean? It actually means... That the God who we tend to think of as cold and clinical and emotionless, who's only harsh and judgmental and and this got a big stick, obey my rules, this big cosmic policeman in the sky who just wants to obey my rules or else – This is a God who feels deeply, emotionally, with great passion, and in extremes, far more extreme than than we could feel. Mm. But rather than bring judgment to bear upon the entire human race, who deserve it, I might add, I mean, look at the world, I mean, really, Mm. um, what he's decided to do is actually live in a state of grief himself rather than destroy the creation he loves so much like the father, like the prodigal and the prodigal son. Extending mercy Mm. and grace and forgiveness every single solitary day in the face of all the the filth and the corruption and the brutality every single day in this hope, in this this passionate love that it's going to inspire... Mm. A reprobate, sinful, um, hateful creation will turn and repent and come back Mm. to him.
0: Come to their senses.
1: Come to their senses and come back, even though they wish him dead, even though they want the blessings, they want the freedom, they want all the stuff, but without the Father. Wishing him dead, but he lives in this perpetual state of this intense emotion that he feels Mm. because his overwhelming extreme love, longs for this relationship with his children.
0: Yeah. So contrary to that sort of Greek thought that God is emotionless, it's really the fact that God is so emotion-filled, really, isn't he? Like he's just got so much love and anger and joy and sadness and all these different emotions are all so very real to God.
1: The difference between, and we we talked about this before, about we shouldn't be governed by our emotions – And we were talking in the context of whether we can feel the presence of God. The presence of God is with us no matter where we go, whether we feel it or not. We allow that to govern us. So I'm not saying emotions are bad, not at all, but we shouldn't be governed by emotions. And remember, we're feeling emotions from a state of fallenness. God, however, is unlike us in that he is not in a state of fallenness. He has no sin, but he himself is not governed by his emotions. He reigns those emotions in and extends us mercy to give us more and more opportunities to repent and come back.
0: Mm, Fascinating. Well, we're going to continue to explore this some more. There's uh, more to uh, to look at with this uh, topic of the emotions that God experiences. We'll look at that next time on Foundations.